Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Three Beers In, episode 147. My name is Dom, and today we are drinking a beer from a brewery called the Mass Landing Brewing Company, Green to Green. And uh, they're located out of, what is this? Westbrook, Maine. And uh, it is a fresh, delicious, a rotating hop India Pale Ale. And, uh, oh, it says it on the bottom. Oh, I'm so excited. Hold on. Let me cross that out of the notes here. So uh, you may see this time to time when you're uh, looking at beers, especially now. I've seen it more than ever now. Um, it'll say on the on the can, uh, rotating hop India Pale Ale or a rotating hop ale or something like that. And basically what they're trying to tell you is that this particular beer is showcasing hops that are not normally in their repertoire, so to speak, or hops that aren't necessarily um, really, you know, out there in terms of what's uh, usually used. Give me a second. I got a cough. Hold on. So um, I just muted real quick. Sorry. So I was really upset because I'm staring at this can. And I'm looking all around. I'm trying to find it and stuff. I saw that the brew date was good and everything and well within the uh, where I wanted it to be in terms of freshness. And I'm like, come on, man, you don't want to get it. And I wrote in the notes, I'm like, very upset that they didn't list the hops. It was staring at right at me here. It's El Dorado and Azeca hops here on this can. Um, green to green, Mass Landing Brewing Company out of Maine, Westbrook, Maine. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, here we are. I'm going to try to have a nice show for you, ladies and gentlemen. And um, let's kick it off by me starting by saying... I, I got into a little bit of a tid, tidbit with my doctor. Yeah. Okay. For those of you that have been following along, I kind of announced last week that I got a phone call from my physician from the office saying that there was a slight issue with my blood work and that they left a voicemail about that, which panicked me into thinking I had diabetes or cancer, and it turned out to be high triglycerides. I go to see this guy Monday after work. And I'm like, all right, time to face the music. I'm going to hear it from him. I'm going to hear how bad all this is. So I'm sitting down. Love my doctor. He's great. He's new to me. This is like, the th I think, the third or fourth time I've seen him. But uh, I've always had a great interaction with him every time that I've seen him. So sitting down, and he says, all right, let's have a look at the paperwork here. And he goes, okay, your cholesterol, specifically your triglycerides. He looks at me, and he goes, now, I'm going to explain to you what happened here. And, um, you know, just to, just to let you know, I've seen numbers in the 2000s, okay? So he, he starts off by saying that, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this can't be good. You know, it's only going to be uh, a pretty bad situation, right? And he goes, I've seen things in the 2000s, okay? But, uh, you know, right now the American Heart Association, the threshold used to be 200, now they lowered it to 150. So um, your number is uh, 158. And I said, huh, 150, 158? And he said, yeah, 158. So it's, uh, it's over the threshold. And, uh, you know, that also brings your good cholesterol down. I said, hold on a second. You guys called my, my phone saying that I had a problem with my blood work. He goes, yeah, that's the protocol that we use. And whenever there's a, a level that I don't like, I want to correct it as soon as possible. I said, doctor, it's 158. Don't you think this could have waited for me to come in? And he heard me, I, I didn't, ha I don't think I had a bad tone with the guy or anything like that, 
But I think he took a very particular, he took a particular uh, feeling towards that. And he said, I need you to, in order for you to take care of yourself, to lower this bad cholesterol and raise up your good cholesterol. That's the point. Your good cholesterol is also low because this is bringing it down. You need to eat fish. And I said, you called me for fish. And he said, listen, it is a protocol, okay? I'm not going to break that protocol. Something was incorrect, and I needed it to be fixed. We need to fix it. And I said, you know what? You're right, doctor. You're a doctor. You're a physician. I realized that I was kind of going back and forth with him, and I kind of felt bad afterwards. I apologized. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to you know, offend you in any way. He goes, he goes it's not a problem. But nonetheless, I never thought I would get into not, not quite a verbal joust with a doctor, or especially my doctor, but it kind of happened. But nonetheless... I don't think it was unreasonable. I said, doctor, I said to him, I said, later on, I said, when I got that voicemail, okay, uh, to call back about my blood work, I thought for sure, for sure, you were going to tell me that I was diabetic. He goes, oh, no, hold on. He looks at my, he goes through the, he goes like, he's like, no, 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 no just, wait a minute, let me, uh, oh, yeah, your blood sugar is 71, it's perfect. And I'm like, God damn it, you had me frightened. I mean, I didn't want to tell him that I thought, oh my God, what if I have cancer? Uh, but this is the man's protocol and he's my doctor. I, what am I going to do? I got to go with him, right? Anyway, that's a little bit above the personal thing. Um, this is going to be a, a show all about beer today because I went out and I did it, people. Yes, I did. It was October 19th. I made the promise to everybody here on the show that I was going to do my first boil, my first batch. I was going to brew. So what happened on Friday night? Friday night, I said to myself, oh, shit. Tomorrow's uh, Saturday, and that's what I got to brew. Let me go get the stuff uh, from up in the attic. So it's been sitting in the attic since, like, my birthday or whatever, right? So I go up there, and I get it. I drag it down. I get all these stuff out and everything. And um, I look at the ingredients, and... The the specialty grains expired. It said, please use within 60 days. And it was like last year. So it had 2018 on it. Totally out. So I didn't trust the malt extract that was with it or the, even though the yeast said the expiration date was 2020, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't trust it. And now I'm sitting here and I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, the ingredients and I'm looking at the paper, not the paper, but I'm looking at everything and I'm like, dude, if I don't brew tomorrow, I feel like I'm never going to brew. I have to go find ingredients and I have to get this going, right? So I start looking up recipes and stuff and trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And then like, uh, you know, I'm reading how like if you if you do a strict grain mash, you have to sparge it with a different bucket. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is good. I started getting a little bit of a panic attack and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I was like, Dom, stop fucking around. This is your first time. Get a kit because kits are not anything to be ashamed of. Get a kit and let's brew, right? So then I'm like, all right, well, where am I going to get it from? So I went to this place called the Thirsty Quaker, which is located in Jersey City, New Jersey. And um, I, I, you know, I drove out there with the wife and kid and we went to this little, it's a nice little quaint little brew shop. I mean, you know, it has a nice back room where there's a ton of grains and stuff that you could fill up yourself and mill them yourself, like chop them up yourself for your, for your mash or your boil or whatever. And um, I went up to the guy. I was like, "You guys got uh, brew kits?" And he's like, "Yeah, right over there." So I go over and and I'm I'm it's whatever's on the shelf is what I'm gonna do. And I see like a stout, like a 
a rye IPA and all this stuff. And, you know, the, there was like a uh, Irish red, you know, brown ale and stuff. And I'm like, I'm looking at them. None of them was really jumping out at me. But then I saw the double IPA and I was like, you know what? That's going to be the one. Let me get that. So I grabbed the kit. I pull it out. I even purchased uh, some beer while I was there from, uh, I think it was just the New Jersey Brewing Company, and it was chairman of the Gourd. So that was my first pumpkin beer, and I think in a, in like two years, I think. And it was pretty good. I mean, it was nothing to write home about, but it was a decent pumpkin beer. And um, I went to the back, and I got some bottles and stuff, and uh, that was it. I bought the kit, and um, I went home. That was the Saturday, right? So, you know, just to give you a little bit of an idea of what happened. So... I did, I actually brewed the beer and I pitched the yeast. So, but a lot went wrong. Okay. And when I say a lot went wrong, let me just start by saying, number one, I wasn't prepared um, in terms of my ingredients. I had to go out and buy them. I had to go out and buy them and it was later in the day. So when I got home, it was around nine o'clock at night, right? Or eight o'clock at night. It was late. And I, I had it in my head. I was like, the 19th, the 19th, we got to do our brew. We got to do our brew. I made a promise, right? So I started late, started around 9 o'clock. And um, I realized pretty quickly that I needed a thermometer and I needed, and I didn't have an, a hydrometer. And later it comes into play of why I needed those things. So I quickly found in the kitchen a thermometer that would that could work and I had to attach it to the pot, but it didn't really do great for me in terms of temperature, right? So the first step in the whole brewing process, this might get boring for some people, but if you're into the beer, you know, here we go. The first step was to take out the specialty grains of the kit and and brew them, not brew them, but steep them in the, um, in the pot, uh, two and a half gallons of water, steep those grains in the pot, don't go past 155 degrees, kind of like brewing a tea, right? So I did that. I put them in the, in the food bag or whatever, the muslin bag, I think it's called. And I steep them and stuff, and you're just waiting around, waiting around, right? And you get a nice, what looks like a tea, you know? And then I, you you take the um, the grains out. You could pour a little water on it, but what the reason they tell you not to is because you don't want to cool down that water. The reason why is because now it's time for you to have to boil. The It took so long for that water to come up to a boil. It, it was crazy. So now it's like, it's almost like, you, you, it's almost 10 o'clock, you know, just to get the boil going. So temperature control is very important. So moving along, um, I finally got it to about 180 degrees. I saw a bit of a rolling boil. I couldn't really trust the thermometer that much because it really wasn't reading very well. And I had to keep taking it out to look at it. And the temperature on the thermometer would already start dropping as soon as I take it out. So the thermometer was unreliable. But I got the boil going. The, I saw that the water was actually boiling up, and then it was time to do to follow the ingredients that were on the um, on the paper. So I had um, what you call it. Uh, it. It came with three. This is where it became really crazy, right? It had three, like five pound tin cans, almost like a can of beans of malt extract that you had to run under hot water for a little while just to loosen it up a little bit. And then you had to turn off your heat, pour the extract in, and you had to mix as you're pouring because you don't want it to scorch at the bottom. So I'm standing there and, I, and I'm just dumping this shit in and I'm mixing it around. It's sticky as all fuck. You know, I get that in there because sometimes now the heat's off, you know, because we're not, this is pre-boil by the way, or was it during the, I think it was during, yeah, it's when the boil kind of started. And um, 
So I'm getting the malts in there, and then I'm putting. Uh, then I had to put a pound of of corn sugar in it. So the corn sugar's in, the malts are in there, and then it was time once it was like to the rolling boil again, because you have to turn your heat back on. Once you get up to the rolling boil again, that's when it was time for you to start adding your hops. So I had four packs of hops. I think they were about an ounce each pack, double IPA. Uh, the hops that were used were Chinook. Columbus and Cascade hops. Now, what was really neat about this is like as I was so it was first it was like I think it was uh, three bags of Chinook and then a bag of Columbus and then a bag of Cascade. So as uh, as I'm going through the time, so it was like the first ten minutes. You know, you 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 put in your 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 first round of Chinook and then you wait ten minutes. Then you do the next round of Chinook. You wait ten minutes. Then you do your next round of Chinook. You wait ten minutes. Then you do. Or you wait 30 minutes, then you do a round of the Columbus, then you wait uh, a little bit longer, and then you do a round of um, of Cascade to finish it. And then you terminate the boil at the end of that, like it was like 15 minutes after, but whatever. So you're just following this time schedule and dumping the hops, and as you go, I got so excited when I saw that it was Chinook hops. I don't know why, it's just that it's just, you see these names all the time whenever you're picking up craft beer, like, like oh, on the bottom of this it says El Dorado and Azeca, you know, you've heard of Cascade hops how many times? You heard of Chinook hops how many times? So now when you're, you're finally in a position to actually work with them, it just made me really excited. And I thought that was really, really neat that I got that, I got this giddiness about me when I'm... Um, when I saw that, like, I was using these hops. And it was interesting because I really took in the the aromas that happened when I opened up the hop pellet contained, like, the little baggie that was in, just to smell it and see what the, the smells were. And it says right on the front of it, the, the alpha acid composition that were in them is, like, 14.1% on these Chinooks. So we know that this is gonna, that's going to be, be bitter if it's done correctly. So followed the directions and everything like that, did the did the mixing as we go along, try not to aerate too much. They say that could fuck shit up, whatever. So now um, I've done everything in terms of the boil. I terminate the heat. You've terminated the boil. You're done boiling. Now you have wort. That's what it's called, W-O-R-T. I have my wort. Now it's time you have to cool the wort as rapidly as possible to avoid contaminating. Like, you want to get it down to a, a, t- a good temperature to, to start getting it into the fermenter, to just get this, th- get it into that airtight situation as soon as possible because you don't want it to be open for contamination. So here's another thing I wasn't prepared for. It's time to cool the wart. So at first I was just like, okay, I'll go into the bathroom, go to the bathtub, fill the tub with cold water and just put it in there. It should be fine, right? Wrong. That was dumb. I'm thinking, you know, I just wasn't prepared at all for this part. I was just like, let me just follow the instructions and then we'll go from there. I put the wart in the bathtub with the cold water and I take the temperature. It's like it's like a hundred and like eighty five degrees, right? So I was like, you know what? Let me let it sit for about twenty minutes. I'll come back and have a look, right? Mind you, I still got that wonky thermometer. I have it sitting in there for twenty minutes. <clears throat> I go back. It's one hundred and eighty five degrees. I was like, okay, this water, I guess, isn't cold enough anymore. So I add a little bit more cold water, and I was like, let me give it another twenty minutes. See if the temperature at least budges a little bit. Left. Came back twenty minutes later. One hundred and eighty five degrees. This water is so hot, and there's nothing stopping it. I'm like, fuck my life. I got to go get ice. That's what I have to do. I have to go get ice. So I go down to the corner store, buy two two little baggies of ice. I come back up. I dump the ice into the bathtub, and I'm like, let me come back in 20 minutes. I'll see what it's at. I come back in 20 minutes. It's it's like 183 degrees. Like, it is just not cooling down. Okay? And I then I, you know, in hindsight, I was looking in forums and stuff like that. This is one of the... 
hardest, not hardest, but one of the worst parts of the whole process is cooling the wart. So I kind of learned that the hard way. And I, and when I do things and get hit the hard way with them, <coughs> I usually learn from it so it doesn't happen again. So now I know for the next batch that I really have to pay attention to the, the cooling process and stuff like that. So long story short, never mind, just long story. Here we go. Um, it takes for fucking ever for the wart to cool. It was like an hour and a half for it to fucking cool. And that's typical. I've read online and stuff like that. It's typical for it to cool down to that, to that temperature, you know? And now it's just like, I can't wait any longer because it's just taking way too long. I got my fermenter ready. You know, I have everything sanitized. Cause that's the, that's a very important part. The airlock uh, thing with the bubbler is sanitized. The auto siphon was sanitized. I got to get this beer into the fermenter. So I, I, siphon it into the fermenter and I take it back into the kitchen area and I have about uh, a little over two and a half gallons in the fermenter. So the next step was to add water to you hit to five gallons because you got to bring up your, once again, your specific gravity, which they told me to read at the end of the five gallons. I don't have a hydrometer. I can't read the specific gravity. Very big part of it that it's missing and kind of fucking me up, right? So I fill it up to the to the to with the with the I was using cold water because it was still hot, uh, and I got it to what I think was eighty degrees. Now the excuse me, maybe eighty degrees. The yeast wanted it to be seventy degrees. I just I don't know if it was eighty degrees. The thermometer was wonky the whole time. I saw seventy seven at some points. So I don't know. I pitched the yeast. Pitching the yeast means you put the yeast in. I pitched the yeast. I did what it said. I I sprinkled it all over the surface, and then I gave it a good spooning. How sexy! And then they like put the lid on, cool dark place, attach your airlock, and call it a day. And I did that. I locked it up. I put it down here. It's sitting over there right now. And I said to myself, I said to myself, okay, either this is going to work or it's not going to work. Duh. But I came down two days later. I really didn't check it the next day. I don't know why. I came down two days later and the room smelt like this beautiful bouquet of hops. And I immediately had my stomach go right into my throat because I'm like, did this thing leak or something? Like, why is it so strong in the air? It's supposed to be airtight. Go to the forums and stuff like that. I read up on it. The, the buckets will release the CO2. It's not a big problem. The only, only problem is I did. I started this on the 19th. It's the 24th right now by the time it's recording. There's no aroma now. And I'm I'm very scared that it may have either the yeast stopped working or it's done. And I won't be able to know that because I don't have a hydrometer. Again, something that I needed for this because you need to read the specific gravity of the wart and then you'll know after you pitch the yeast, you could try, like I could have come down, let, let's say it uh, when I started it, it was at 1.026. Uh, if I come down here and I do the, the hydrometer reading now in like a beaker or whatever, and it's moved, I know that there's been something going on inside. Whether the number goes up or down, I don't know the difference. You know, I'd have to read up on it, but I don't have a hydrometer, so it doesn't matter. Um, I would know that there's some activity going on. There is some croissant on the top. I could see there's, there's a rim of croissant, which means that the beer has fermented in, at, at some point. 
Um, there were no bubbles in the airlock. So I do not know what is going on inside of that bucket. I don't want to know, really. Um, all I know is that I recognize the mistakes that I made. Let me take a sip of this beer because I've been just chatting. I totally recognize the mistakes that I've made, okay, and what I wasn't prepared for. And I'm now trying to use a bit of a foresight with the bottling process. So I marked down the bottling date to be the 9th of November. I'm just going to bottle it then. It would have fermented enough. If it did too much, I'll know. You know, I'll be able to tell by the flavors. So if there's, um, if if the yeast did too much, the banana, it's going to have a very banana flavor to it, which is definitely not going to be, uh, even if there's a slight banana flavor on top of hops, like I won't be able to tell what went wrong. I mean, even if it if it spoiled, I'll be able to tell. Um, if there's some diacetyl in it or decetyl, I don't know how to say the word, but it's a byproduct that you don't want in your beer. And I see the you probably see the word come up a lot, and you don't know what it's all about. But what it means is the beer will have a, a butterscotch flavor to it, and that's um, that's not desirable. So I am, ex I, I listen. I I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. I have very low expectations of what this is going to taste like, but um, I do know that from what I do know from brewing and stuff is everyone always said that IPAs hide flaws. So this may have flaws that are hidden by the hops and only time will tell. But uh, the, the name of this beer uh, is called The Whole House Stunk because that's all that everyone was saying to me was that the whole house stinks. And um, I didn't really get that when I was in front of the wart, like in front of it boiling, because all I smelt was the grains. But when you went to the far reaches of the house, the hop smell was so weird and funky, um, which is typical. But then like when I came down here, when it started fermenting, it smelt like a fucking dream. So if that's any indicator of what it might taste like, then that's great. But I've already have I already have a schedule planned out. So this boil, I mean this batch, when it's done or when it's bottled and ready to go, uh, I have a projected date for the next one and a projected date for another beer after that and another beer after that. And uh, I know that one of these beers, I don't know which one yet, is going to be called uh, "The Crickets Have Autonomy" because I think that's just a funny statement, and I think it's a it's a big part of the show and what it's all about. I can't sell this beer. Uh, not that I don't think anyone would want to buy it. So I do do if it is edible, like if it, it can be consumed, like if it is safe to consume, which I will be the guinea pig for, uh, there will be if you reach out to me, I could try to send it to you. I, there's select people that have already asked me for some. I will get this beer out to the people so they know what it tastes like. And just this, just 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 to share a little bit of the first thing that three beers in and, and myself has ever done in the in the in the turn in the uh, realm of of making beer. I hope that it turns out good, but uh, I said this before: only time uh, will tell. Hop of the week time, ladies and gentlemen, and let's see what we got here. All right, the hop of the week is Vajvoidina. Vajvoidina. Vajvardina, the result of a cross between Northern Brewer and a Golding-derived male variety, Vajvardina is a hop with a mild bit with mild bittering properties, a woody aroma, and notes of uh, cedar and tobacco. 
Uh, it has some of the noble aroma characteristics of Northern Brewer, but is more intense and perhaps a little more rounded. Vojavina uh, was initially created in the late 1960s at the Institute of Agricultural Research in Bakti Provdek uh, in the former Yugoslavia in an attempt to replace Baca. Uh, unsuccessful in that regard, commercial uh, acreage remains scarce. It's the sibling of Dunav and Neoplanta, and like Dunav, it features a reddish coloring on its main stem. Yeah, it's also known, oh, there's nothing it's also known as. It has uh, noble aroma characteristics. It's used for bittering and aroma. The alpha acid composition is anywhere from 6.1 to 10.5%, and it's usually used in, um, oh, it doesn't say, but it's um, substitutes are Northern Brewer Golding. Uh, that's a pretty obscure hop right there. You know, there's not, I have not, well, we're a domestic craft beer show. I'm pretty sure there's craft beer all over the world, duh. And uh, I'm pretty sure there's a craft beer scene out in the Eastern Bloc, I guess so you would call it. But nonetheless, um, I don't think we're ever going to see this hop featured in anything we do here. Because it's scarce and it's also apparently in like the Soviet Union. So we're going to move on here to the uh, the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> That's right. Right here. You've heard it. Here's the beer news. Oh, it's going to be a good one here. We got <laughs> we got some some funny. Well, it's not it's 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 not funny. Okay? Right right off the bat it's not funny. But um it points to something interesting here. So there's this, there's this guy out of the Chicago uh, Tribune. He's an author, and uh, he's been writing about beer for the last 10 years for the publication. And uh, one of the big things he did was cover Goose Island uh, that entire time. And he wrote a book about Goose Island. And in the book, uh, he, he says for the first like first half of the book that uh, uh, he praised Goose Island, everything that he did for uh, Chicago and for craft beer. But then he was very critical of them after the InBev purchase. And because of that, they basically said that they weren't comfortable with him attending any of their beer releases, though he's been there 10 times before. And this is what he uh, he has tweeted. And it's uh, Josh Noel. Uh, he writes here, uh, I'd be posting my review of this year's Bourbon County beers right about now. But Goose Island at Goose Island, he tagged them, uh, decide, declined to invite me to last night's media preview. Uh, first time in 10 years that I've covered beer for the Chicago Tribune. I was told by the brewery that it, I, they weren't comfortable with me attending. And then he goes on. He goes, uh, it's, a, it's a little thread here of tweets. He says, what does that mean? Who wasn't comfortable? Why? They wouldn't explain any of that. How did we get here? What's happening? Well, it began last year. Goose Island initially didn't invite me to last year's Bourbon County preview either six months after my book came out. The book was mostly goose positive up until its 2011 sale to Anheuser-Busch. Then the story took a lot more nuance about uh, the brewery and brand in AB's hands. That change was inevitable thanks to Anheuser-Busch's needs and goals and why it brought Goose Island in the first place, why it bought Goose Island in the first place along with 10 uh, more craft breweries. There was no way around AB's anti-competitive practices, lack of transparency, and aim of market domain, market domination. Excuse me. I also continue to blog about the issues taken up in the book. A lot of uh, a, a lot of the blog has been about AB's market dominance and lack of transparency, from brewing to storytelling, 
It's the role in events and media. Uh, and then he, he puts his blog up. Uh, so faced with not being invited to last year's Bourbon County media preview, something about needing to have a better working relationship, I argued I had been fair and measured, not always positive, but fair. They ultimately agreed. I attended the tasting. I championed the debut of the Bourbon County wheat wine. Um, didn't much care for the vanilla or bramble. I'd been covering Bourbon County since 2010. Back then, there was no media tasting. Goose Island was too busy to think much about media at all. Aside from a few dedicated bloggers, very few people were writing about Bourbon County or craft beer in Chicago at all. This was uh, the earlier story I wrote, and he's just talking about what he was writing and stuff. But, I mean, he's obviously scorned that, oh, he said he's been blackballed by Goose Island. And, you know, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit overreaching, I think, for, for this company to do something like this. Obviously, it's no skin off the back of Anheuser-Busch. It's a drop in the bucket. They're not going to feel this. InBev, AB InBev is not going to feel any of this heat. There's con- they're going to continue to dominate. But it's just, again, people, this is why it's important, I believe, for us to try to stay away from these beers and these breweries that are going to be so controversial, not controversial, but just so like, what are they, what they're doing is just wrong. Okay. It is just wrong. And speaking of that in other news, <laughs> this is just absolutely absurd. Earlier on this show, um, I talked about how founders brewing, uh, was being sued in a discrimination lawsuit by an African-American employee, former African-American employee. I'm not saying anything controversial. This is a black man, okay? He's a black man. He's an African... If if you're uncomfortable with the term black man, black male, he is an African-American man. There is no way around it, okay? But it's come out in in a deposition or something like that there is a transcript from the cross-examination that this man, that the defense contends that the manager did not know he was black. The, you see, listen, this isn't racist for me to say this. It's you're just it's it, it, it's plain to see that it's a black man, right? There's nothing you can't even say for 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 even for a second like uh, maybe he's a Filipino guy. But no, and the Metro Times here, <coughs> Tom Perkins in the Metro Times writes, and he says the same thing. And I, I mean, he goes, Tracy Evans is black. It's a simple, indisputable fact. He is even concerned he is, uh, confirmed that he is. But Evans, former manager who worked for Founders Detroit in Grand Rapids location, he alleged that a racist internal corporate culture was there. There was blatant racism, uh, repeated use of the N-word around him, uh, the management allegedly named a printer it used the white guy printer while labeling the printer for lower tier tier employees as the black guy printer. Bad stuff. But this is really interesting, and I'm going to do my best to put this uh, link up in the uh, in the Facebook for you guys to read this. I'm going to read it because it's just for me, it's wildly entertaining. But. He, he, the what he's trying to say is the guy's it's such a lawyery way out of this but here it goes okay Evans's attorney Jack Schultz says when did you first meet Tracy Evans and founders manager Dominic Ryan at the time um 
is 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 what he was saying. So he goes, um, have you met Tracy prior to his uh, employment at Founders? Uh, we met a few times, yes. Okay. Are you aware Tracy is black? Wh- what do you mean by that? Are you aware Tracy is African American? I'm not sure of his lineage, so I can't answer that. All right. Are you aware that Tracy is a man of color? What do you mean by that? I'm going to try to maybe read this so that you can you can hear the nuances here. No? Uh, do you know? Okay. You don't know what it means for someone to be a white person or a black person? Well, I'm simply asking for uh, clarification. Well, you don't need any. I can promise you that. We'll keep the record as is. Someone's skin color, a white, gets cut off. He goes, so, so, what, so that's what you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Okay, yes. I know the difference in skin tone. Okay. Are you able to identify individuals by their skin tone? To which he responds, what do you mean by uh, identify? I mean, have you ever looked at Tracy Evans in your entire life? Like, have you? That's a genuine question. Objection. Argumentative. Founders attorney says, you can answer. Yes. And did you ever realize that Tracy's skin is black? That's not, I mean, is his skin different from mine? Yes. How? What what do you mean how? It's a different color. And what is the difference of that color? That's darker. And that means, objection, vague question. I mean, we could, this could be a one-sentence answer, you know. So by... I guess your testimony is you have no idea if Tracy is a minority, if he's African-American. I don't know Tracy's lineage, so I can't speculate on whether he's, if he's from Africa or not. What do you mean lineage? Uh, from, from Africa? No, I mean like, I don't know his DNA. Have you ever met black people who aren't from Africa? Excuse me? Have you ever met a black person born in America? Yes. And you were able, have you ever met a black person who didn't tell you they were black? Uh, Can you rephrase that? Okay. Is Barack Obama black? Objection. To to your knowledge? I've never met Barack Obama, so I don't. So you don't know if Barack Obama is black? What about Michael Jordan? Do you know if Michael Jordan is black? Objection. Well, I've never met him. So you don't know him? What about uh, Kwame Kilpatrick? Never met him. That's another uh, employee. To your knowledge, was Kwame Kilpatrick black? I, you don't know? I don't know. So, the man, (laughs) his argument is that he couldn't identify, he couldn't tell if this guy was, was black or not. And I mean, this is one of the most crazy fucking things that I've ever seen in my life. I I mean, I really, I really can't believe it. So I was encouraged. I was telling people about founders. They have the all day, the all day AP, uh, IPA. They have the, the, the stouts and stuff like that. Backwards fruitwood, uh, backwards bastard fruitwood and stuff like that. But Detroit is literally like up in arms about this. Okay. So founders has pulled themselves out of the Detroit fall beer festival. And excuse me, there are, there's, um, whatchamacallit, there's, there's uh, bars all around Detroit that have completely taken um, founders off of their, off of their rotation. Like they just will not sell founders beer. And listen, I totally am for due process in terms of like guilty until proven, uh, uh, proven, uh, innocent until proven guilty. 
But I mean, you're looking, I mean, you listen, really, this is the defense. The def- uh, it is just absurd. I mean, maybe it'll work for them for the defense. I don't know, but this is absolutely fucking ridiculous. And I join in the protest. I will not have anything from founders uh, from 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 here on out because this is absolutely ridiculous. And I know that I was I was saying to people like encouraging them to try to stay away from founders as is because they're no longer craft. But the fact that like this is this is so pathetic, right? And it's so wrong, you know. For this is this is not even about political correctness. These people were being blatant assholes, racist assholes to this guy, you know, that he alleges. And they're they're not even saying like that these things didn't happen, at least from this transcript. They're saying that they just didn't know he was black. As if that makes it okay. I mean, that's just completely fucking absurd. And uh, I implore you to say, fuck off, founders. Uh, We're not going to be having beer from you. I mean, you do what you want, but I know that I'm not going to be doing it. Because that's some fucking bullshit. On to the beer review, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said earlier in the show, we are drinking uh, from Mass Landing Brewing Company, green to green. Uh, again, again, I was just so, so excited to see on the bottom of the can here that we can uh, see what the rotating hops are. Now, usually with rotating hop series that I have seen personally, especially now that I know what it means, because initially I had no idea what it was they were talking about. Um, we see that, oh, sorry about that. It's usually hops that are very out there, like things that you don't hear about. So if anything, Bolero Snort, I brought them up last uh, week. Uh, their, their new beers are rotating hops for sure. Cause I mean, they're, they're, they're naming hop. They might even do Volsvagina, Bull's Vagina, they would call it because they do the bull thing with everything, but nonetheless, so what happened here with this beer? I poured it out, and it's a cloudy golden color, um, thinking that it might be a bit of a juice bomb just by the looks of it. Very vibrant carbonation. You're seeing this these these crazy bubbles going straight up the glass, and, and it really looked uh, nice. It was really some great lacing, too, uh, during the, the drinking of this beverage. Uh, when I got a nose on it, I got a piney smell, but uh, not too overpowering or dank. Uh, I was kind of mellow. Um, there was just like a... Um, let me let me smell it right now. Hold on. It's a bright smelling like um, hop, a little spicy, uh, citrusy, but again, nothing like that's just too overwhelming. Um, I'm not really getting a lot of malt characteristics in the aroma, which is interesting. Um, it just does. It doesn't have a big hop feel to it. I mean, or, or aroma to it when you when you smell it. It's citrusy, almost like a lemon zest sorta like orange peel sort of like a just you know very fruity but then the taste mm. you get an earthy pine there's pine right in the beginning like i'm talking like when it's the smell of like an evergreen candle pine in the front very very mellow maltiness that sits like nicely on the palate it's just not too crazy it's earthy spicy citrusy hop um a little bit of like a tangerine flavor, and then it quickly just pours into this pineapple flavor, right? Like a healthy dose of pineapple flavor, but without that tartness. Um, but it's not like a sweet pineapple. That's the one thing that really I didn't really like about it was that the pineapple flavor is like 
the pineapple flavor you get when you get closer to the white part. Like it's not like that, the juice bomb. Like I, I thought it was going to be a juice bomb because it looked like it. Um, it is drinkable. It's a, it's middle of the road with the bitterness. I just wish maybe it went more with the bitterness, but um, you know, it's 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 not terrible. It's drinkable for sure. There's like I said, excellent lacing. It's got a really nice feel to it. The mouth feels nice, but um. I mean, I'm surprised at the carbonation because it looks so vibrant. Like it looks so like like it was furiously just going crazy in the glass. But then when you drink it, it's it's really it's not it's pretty medium. Not to say that it's disappointing. This is very middle of the road. I gave it a six point five, not terrible score, you know, but definitely just average, an average IPA. I mean, it's definitely. It's on the fringe of a Niepa, but not just, it's just not there, you know. And, you know, sometimes people maybe just want to take a step back from those, and uh, this might be your thing. But for me, um, it's not, it's 7% ABV, um, which to say, I mean, and it's pretty crushable for that high of an ABV, and that brought the score up a little bit. But um, it's just, it's mellow, it's easy drinking. And um, I gave it a pretty mellow, easy drinking score. I think it's a fair score, six point five. It's not terrible. It's not. It's not out of this world. You know, it's not going to make it to the Mount Rushmore, but um, pretty good nonetheless. And that'll be the show, ladies and gentlemen. I, I said I was going to try to do a show that's a little bit under an hour, and I think I accomplished that. Talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. Fuck you, founders. Okay, you guys are pieces of shit. Because that is some bull. I would understand a defense where you're just like, you know, I thought we were kidding around. I get it. You know, you do fuck around with people that you think you're friends with. Bill Burr said this, and I think it's really true. It's like, let everyone go through your cell phone and see if you can go to work on Monday. You know what I mean? And and that's, listen, it's true. <laughs> we fuck around as people, you know? And I don't think anyone has malcontent, right? I don't think anyone's trying to be evil right if we if we joke around about crazy shit or say stupid stuff but um there's some things that just are unacceptable and when you can't owe up to like like if a guy was like listen i thought we were good friends we would joke around and he never really said like hey don't fuck around don't say that or anything i thought it was cool i thought we were cool you give me a defense like that and it's just like yeah you're guilty but you settle or something you know like all right you fucked up right but I don't, and I don't like the whole cancel culture thing, but fucking founders is canceled, bro, because this is bullshit. You don't know that he's black. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? But anyway, look, I don't want to I don't want to end on a sour note, guys. I really hope that this beer isn't all fucked up. Nonetheless, I will catch you guys next week. I have a great selection of beer coming up. I don't know if it's great, but it's it's it's. It's crazy. We got some great beers that I got out of Beverage Island. And I actually got a beer from Vermont, I think. Or was it Connecticut? I don't know. My 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 sister and brother-in-law went to Connecticut and they got me a porter. It just wasn't cold enough for me to do a porter right now. I wanted to maybe do it today, but it's just not cold enough. And I'm trying to get these beers out of the fridge. And I wanted to take a beer that was the oldest and uh, do that first. I know that's super fresh. But anyway, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. I hope you get out there. I'm going pumpkin picking this Saturday which is a big thing because we have a baby now, so there's going to be tons of photographs of that. And uh, I'm just really excited about it. Love you all. God bless. And I will catch you uh, uh, next week. Take care.